Erev Tov, tonight we are studying Parashat Lech Lecha through a Hasidic lens as we've done in the past few weeks using the wonderful works of Rav Elimelech Bitterman Shlita. Tonight's shiur is dedicated in memory of Estrella Batrika, a very special lady who passed away this, uh, this past week and um, a big loss for our community and the words that we say tonight shall be Le'ilu Nishmata, and uh, all the wonderful mitzvot and chesed that she's done in her life certainly has brought her up to a very, very lofty level in Shamaim. Again, may the words we say tonight be an aliyah for her neshama. Parashat Lech Lecha is a fantastic parasha, probably my favorite parasha in the entire Torah. For many reasons. For one, it was my Bar Mitzvah parasha. But in addition to that, there's just so many stories that are taking place very literally and then behind the scenes as well. I want to start with a mashal. I want to start with a, a parable of a traveler was once passing by a beautiful building that was on fire. And he says... Could it be that this building, this edifice, doesn't have an owner? If there's an owner, why isn't he extinguishing the fire? How can he let the fire blaze? The Midrash, who is relating this parable, says that the owner of the edifice peeks out of, on him and says, I am the owner of the house. And the Nimshal is that this is what happened to Abraham Avinu. After the destruction of the flood and the Dora Palaka, the generation that wanted to wage war against God, Abraham said, could it be that this world, this edifice, doesn't have a leader taking care of it? And the Midrash writes, God peeked out to Abraham and said, I am the owner of the world. Now, at first glance, it seems that the Midrash should have stated, he beat Alav Baal Habira. He beat means that the owner of the building looked at him. What is implied by hetzit? Hetzit means peak. In Shira Shirim, Shlomo HaMelech writes, Mashgiach minachalonot, metzit minacharakim. That God looks after you from the windows and he peeks at you through the cracks. When a person looks through the windows, he has a broad range of vision. But the negative side of doing so is that you don't focus on anything in particular. But when you peek through a crack, it's just the opposite. Because the vision is minimal, whatever you do see, however, is with great focus. Hashem says that He looks at us in both ways. Because Hashem sees everything, and everything He sees is in great focus. The owner of the edifice peeked out at Him, indicating that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had immense hashkacha pratit over us. When did Abraham merit this? That God peeks at him. It was when the mansion was on fire. When the building was on fire. When he saw that there were troubles in the world. And this hints that God's hashkacha, God's uh, watching over us, increases and intensifies when there are troubles, God forbid. A parent, for example, loves all of his children equally. But if chas Shalom, one of them becomes sick and is in the hospital, all of his thoughts and all of her thoughts 
are on that child. Similarly, similarly, we could go through hard times. Kiviachol in our Kadosh Baruch Hu's eyes, he's more focused on us. He's watching over us with extra love and extra care to help us. And if God forbid the child stays in the hospital for a long time, there's going to be times where the parents cannot be with the child. But if that child will scream out to his parents and say, Mom, Dad, I need you to be with me. The parents are going to do whatever they can so that they can be with their child. And that's the nimshal. When we go through hard times, Hashem is with us. And if we add a tefillah requesting that God is with us, then He's certainly going to be with us. Looking through the windows, peeking through the cracks with the proper hashkacha pratit to, to help us. The first lesson of this Midrash is that we should go in Abraham's ways to notice what is happening in the world. The Pasuk writes, Raise your eyes to heaven to see who created all of this. It's important to notice things. It's important to see the wonders around us. People tend to walk around with their eyes closed, not physically closed, but choosing to ignore all the amazing things around them. They don't recognize, they don't appreciate the miracles that Hashem performs for us each day for their benefit. It says that Abraham Avinu in this week's parasha waged war. He and his 318 servants. And he won a war against four mighty armies. This in itself is a big, big, big miracle. But the Midrashim comment and say that not only did Abraham fight this but it was with one person, Eliezer, because the numerical value of Eliezer is 318. So it was two against four mighty armies. How did they fight this war? With swords, with weapons? Achachamim teach us that Abraham took earth from the ground and he threw it at them, which turned into arrows. Unbelievable. You know, the nations that Abraham saved from this war were Sedom and other nations. These nations recognized the miracles that happened to Abraham. And the Midrash writes that they, quoted by Rashi, that they crowned Abraham as king over them. They were celebrating. They cut down cedar trees and built a stage and built him a throne and put Abraham Avinu on and gave him a, a crown. And they were saying, you're our king, you're our leader. The logic dictates, after you see all these miracles, that the whole world would come under Abraham's influence. Yet the Torah tells us shortly thereafter, that Sedom was overturned, destroyed, because of their sinful ways. Rav Eliyah Lopian, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, said, this tells us what? That seeing miracles doesn't change a person. You have to internalize it. You have to be metzitz minaharakim. You have to focus on the miracle. Only then is there a hope for change and improvement. Unbelievable story. You've probably heard it before, but it's it's incredible and teaches us a powerful lesson. The story was quoted by Rosh Hashanah story of a rabbi that he was once riding in a taxi. And uh, the driver of the taxi was a non-religious Jew. And uh, he shared with him a story. He said, when I was a teenager, I camped out with my friends in the desert, in the south of, south of Israel, in the Darom. In the middle of the night, one of my friends woke up shouting and screaming top of his lungs. We immediately saw that there was a snake, a poisonous snake wrapped around his body. The snake's head was, was cocked and it was ready to strike and to inject the poison. 
But everybody immediately knew how dangerous the situation was. So they fell silent. They didn't really know what to do. He said, one of us had a rifle. And he thought, maybe I'll shoot the snake in the head. But the problem is, maybe I'll miss. And then I'm going to hit my friend. And even if I aim correctly, the bullet may go right through the snake into the body of another friend. But I don't have a choice. If I don't kill the snake, the snake might attack us too. All of our lives are in danger. And the non-religious taxi driver continues his story and he says, there was one religious boy in our group, the only one that kept Shabbat, Shomer Shabbat. And he asked the man with the rifle, said, wait, wait, wait one second, I have an idea, I have an idea. And he went to the guy who had the snake around his foot and he said, repeat after me. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And when he said Hashem Echad, the snake fell to the floor, slithered away. Unbelievable. The rabbi asked the taxi driver, what happened to the boy that was saved? Did he do Teshuvah? You witnessed such a miracle. Did, did, did he come to repent and return to God? And the taxi driver says, yes, he did. Now he studies in Yeshivat Ora Chaim in Yerushalayim. Huge Yeshiva. Wow, unbelievable, the rabbi said. Then he looks at the taxi driver and he says, And what about you? Did you do Teshuvah? And the taxi driver says, No, I didn't do Teshuvah. The rabbi says, Why not? You also witnessed a miracle. And he said, True, but the snake, it wasn't around my legs. Unbelievable story. The story demonstrates that one can see a miracle, but he won't feel obligated to change if he doesn't feel connected to it. Abraham was different. He contemplated what was happening around the world. He looked at nature. He looked at the sun and how the sun revolves around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. Sorry, the earth revolves around the sun. And he thought about the chaos. He thought about the destruction. He saw what was taking place on earth. And he wondered, could it be? Could it be that there's no leader in this world? Kadosh Baruch said, yeah, I'm here. I'm the leader of this world. Abraham looked at the world and it appeared to be utterly chaotic. Like there was nobody in charge. It was the same feeling. Like someone passes through this house that's on fire. And no one's there to put out the fire. No one lives there. When Abraham was 48 years old, he witnessed the generation of the Dora Palaga when God dispersed the nations across the globe. It was a global calamity that shook the entire world. Before Abraham was born, there was the generation of the flood, the Mabul. There was so much devastation, so much destruction, and it appeared to Abraham like nobody was taking care of it. So Hashem says, Ani ba'alabira. Hashem says, I'm the one created the world. I'm the one taking care of it. Many people consider our present time right now as an era of lots of chaos and confusion. You consider the health crises, the economy, government instability, anti-Semitism, list goes on. And perhaps you can say that the world today is like a house on fire and nobody is putting it out. It looks like nobody's in charge. We cannot forget. I am the owner of this edifice. Hashem is behind everything that is happening. And there's going to come a time when we will find reason and logic in everything that's taking place. There are three opinions 
of when Abraham Avinu recognized HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the one and only God. The Rambam says that Abraham was 40 years old. The Ra'avad, who is a commentary on the Rambam, quotes a Midrash that says that Abraham was 3 years old. And there's a third Midrash that says Abraham was 48 years old. So we have 43 and 48. Question is, this last opinion of 48 needs some explanation. When he was three years old, if you're telling me that he recognized God when he was three, that makes a little bit of sense because he was at the age of at least minimal comprehension and he was able to recognize God. The opinion that says he was 40, that's because our Chachamim tell us, Ben Arbaim Shana Labina, when one turns 40, he becomes wise. It's a different level of wisdom and understanding when you hit 40 years old. But what's the significance of 48? What happened then? Can't say it was a coincidence without significance because everything that happens in this world is for a purpose. Even more so when we're talking about our Avot, our forefathers, the beginning of their Emunah. So what's the explanation? Why did Hashem recognize Hashem? Why did Abraham recognize Hashem specifically at 48? What happened when Abraham was 48 years old? Well, that's when the infamous Tower of Babel was completed, which purpose was we know was to rebel against God the spirit of the time the feeling in the world was denial of Hashem it was a generation of heresy it wasn't easy to have emunah at that time but we know that the rule is when one acquires emunah at a time when it's difficult to acquire emunah that's when the faith becomes deeply ingrained on his mind and his soul and this is the significance of the fact that Abraham Avinu acquired Emunah particularly at this time. He was strong and he didn't let himself be influenced by the people living in the generation. And that's how he attained a very, very high level of Emunah. We know that the Jewish people are compared to the stars. Hashem told Abraham in this, in this week's parasha, Count the stars. Your children are going to be like them. Chachamim explained the stars are always in heaven. So even when the sun is shining, there are stars up there. But we don't see the stars when the sun is up. We only see the stars when it's dark. So too, the Jewish people, the nation shines from darkness. When Abraham Avinu and Sarai Imenu came to, came to Eretz Canaan, there was a famine. It was a ra'ab. And it was a moment of darkness for Abraham and Sarah. And they had no choice but to go to Egypt to wait out the hunger. And it was there in Egypt where they became very healthy. Uh, very wealthy, sorry. Abraham was very wealthy with cattle, silver, and gold. Light emanates from darkness. Rabbeinu Yonah explains this idea that sometimes you got to go through heavy, heavy darkness in order to really, really build your emunah and your bitachon. So when Abraham Avinu was 48 years old, the spirit of the time was heresy. The chaos in the world roused Abraham Avinu to wonder and says, where is the Creator? What in the world is happening here? Nevertheless, he still succeeded in recognizing Hashem. When one recognizes Hashem in time of immense confusion and concealment, that emunah that emerges is strong and clear. Our rabbis tell us that before Mashiach comes, it's going to be very, very difficult to believe in God like someone trying to climb up a straight wall with nothing to grab on. Of Elimelech of Lezhensk, the Noam Elimelech, 
described this hardship to have emunah in the generation before Mashiach. He says, imagine a gigantic rope spread out in heaven and it's shaking and it's turning rapidly and you have to hold on to it with all your might or you're going to fall. He says, this is how tightly we have to hold on to our emunah in the days before Mashiach. The Gemara Masechet Avodah Zarah says that the world is going to exist for 6,000 years. The first 2,000 are years called Tohu, void. Why were they called void the first 2,000 years? Because there was no Torah. The next 2,000 years are called the years of Torah, because that's when the Torah was given. And the final 2,000 years, which is where we are now, is called Yemot HaMashiach, the era of Mashiach, because that's when Mashiach is going to come. The 2,000 years of Torah began when Abraham was 52 years old. And our rabbis ask, why didn't the 2,000 years begin from the time that Hashem recognized, by, by, from the time Abraham recognized Hashem? Which we said was either 3, 40, or 48. Why did it start at 52, the 2,000 years? So Asat Merebi Zecher Tzadik Livracha answered that when Abraham Avinu was 52 years old, you know what happened in his life? Nimrod threw him into the furnace in Ur Kasdim because he refused to worship idols. The value of the Torah is kept and studied with Mesirud Nefesh, sacrificing your Neshama. And Abraham believed in Hashem earlier, but it was only when he was 52 years old he kept the Torah with Mesirud Nefesh. That's the beginning of the 2,000 years of Torah, when he was thrown into the fiery furnace. You know, during the communist regime in Russia, it was very difficult to find a mohel to circumcise Jewish boys. And one Russian family somehow found a mohel in Eretz Israel and requested that he come to Russia to make a brit milah for their child. And the mohel agreed. When he arrived, he discovered that this baby was not actually a baby. He was actually a six-year-old boy. And the mohel wasn't prepared to make a brit milah on a six-year-old child. But the parents pleaded, begged, please, please, you have to do it for us. The Moel said, how can I? The child's going to move around. It's dangerous. I can't perform a Brit Milan, a six-year-old boy. The six-year-old looked at the Moel and said, tie me down with ropes if you have to. I want a Brit Milan. I want to be a Jew. And after the Brit Milan, the mother kissed her child. And she said, for the past six years, I never kissed you because I didn't want to kiss a goy. I didn't want to kiss a non-Jew. But now, I can kiss you. Think about the Mesirut Nefesh of this mother. For six years, she wouldn't kiss her own son, her own biological son, because he didn't have a Brit Milah. That Mesirut Nefesh. That's what we need to serve as a model to keep the Torah with Mesirut Nefesh. And it's an important fact. It's an important idea that, unfortunately, we need more effort in. Think about Abraham. Think about where he came from. If Abraham actually took a moment to think about his origin, that his father, who gave birth to him, was an idol worshiper, he would be broken if he actually thought about his past. He would think, how can a person like me serve Hashem? If Abraham would think about his idol worshipping during his youth, like the Rambam tells us, 
he would feel deficient. He would feel unworthy of serving God. God knew this. So therefore, Hashem tells Abraham, Lech lecha me'artecha mimolatecha mibetavicha. Don't think about your past. Don't think about your origin. Go away from those depressing thoughts because only then are you going to be able to serve Hashem. Again, Rav Elimelech of Lejin states that every moment that a person isn't learning Torah, especially when one is sitting idle in his room or lying in bed and he can't fall asleep, you know what he should be doing? He should be cautious to think about one mitzvah, the commandment of Venikdashti betoch bene Yisrael, the commandment of becoming inherently holy. He should, the commandment of making God holy. He should imagine a great, awesome, powerful fire burning up to Shamaim, and for Hashem's honor, he breaks his nature, throws himself into the fire to honor Hashem. And Hashem considers a good deed like that. More than that, he considers even a good thought like a deed. And this way, he wasn't sitting idle. He performed the mitzvah of the Torah. That's what he writes. A person may have these thoughts of Mesirut Nefesh at night. However, what happens? He wakes up in the morning, the alarm clock rings, <clears throat> and the test he's facing is Lech Lecha. Get up, go out, get out of bed. The challenge is there, but it's much more challenging. It's much more difficult. This is because people want to do great deeds. They want to be good. And they don't value mediocre deeds. They're ready to be Moser Nefesh. They're ready to sacrifice themselves. They're ready to throw themselves in a fire for God. But they aren't prepared to wake up in the morning to learn Torah or to go pray or to do acts of chesed. When Abraham Avinu lived in Ur Kazdim, Nimrod, <clears throat> who we mentioned earlier, gave Abraham an ultimatum. Either you bow down to the idols or you're going to be thrown in the fire. And Abraham said, throw me into the fire. He chose the furnace. This seems to be a far more remarkable accomplishment than leaving one's homeland. So the rabbis ask a question. Why isn't this test of being thrown into the furnace counted among Abraham Avinu's ten primary tests? We know Abraham was tested ten times. Why isn't this story stated explicitly in the Torah? And one answer is that it's not so spectacular that Abraham chose the furnace over worshipping idols because many, many good Jews throughout history did the same. Recently, as far back as the Holocaust. Many people are, are ready to be Moser Nefesh for Hashem. A more significant test is to keep the daily mitzvot. Those that we think are mediocre. Those that we think are not so important. They say there's a follow, there was a following uh, tale said about the Golem of Prague. That once there were fishermen who weren't so successful in catching fish for Shabbat. So the Golem of Prague was sent out to the sea to fill up a large sack of fish. And after a while, people went to see, to, see, to see what was happening with the golem. And they saw him there standing in the ocean, struggling against the waves, trying to catch fish. And they told them, Yalla, come back, come back home. And the golem tried show, showing them, listen, the sack, it's only half full. They told him, but we don't need any more fish. So the golem heard that they don't need any fish. So he turned the sack over and he let all the fish free. This story can be used as a mashal to show us the foolishness of people who think all or none, all or nothing. They want perfection. And anything less than that isn't valuable. Whatever you have is precious, even if it's a little bit. 
and you want to accomplish more. The Midrash states in Bereshit Rabbah, famous Midrash, that Terach, Abraham Avinu's father, manufactured the idols. And once Terach had to be away, so he asked his son Abraham to sell idols on that day. And someone came to the store and asked, I want to buy an idol. And Abraham said, how old are you? The man says, I'm 60 years old. Abraham said, woe to someone who is 60 years old and is going to bow down to something that was just made today. The man left embarrassed. Then a woman came to the shop. She had a large bowl with flour. She told Abraham, sacrifice this to the idols. Abraham took a hammer, smashed all the idols, and then put the hammer in the hand of the largest idol. And when Terach, his father, arrived, he asked, who did all this? Abraham said, let me tell you, Dad, you're not going to believe what took place. A woman came and asked me to give a bowl of flour to the idols. I did so, and the idols started fighting and bickering. One said, I'm going to go first. The other one says, no, I'm going to eat first. And then the big idol took an axe and smashed them all. Terach said, what are you lying to me? You think I'm stupid? These idols don't know anything. They can't do anything. Abraham told his dad, just listen to what you're saying. Now Terach, as embarrassed as he was, he brought Abraham to Nimrod. And he told him what happened. And Nimrod said, bow down to the fire. And Abraham replied, we should bow down to water. Because water puts out the fire. Nimrod said, you are right. Bow down to the water. Abraham said, we should bow down to the clouds. Because the clouds are the ones that carry the water. Nimrod says, correct you are. Go bow down to the clouds. Abraham said, we should bow down to the wind. Because the wind is what blows the clouds. Nimrod said, you are right again, Abraham. Go bow down to the wind. Abraham said, we should bow down to a human being. Because he carries wind within him. Nimrod said, you fool. You're speaking foolishness. I worship fire and I'm going to throw you into the fire. Let's see the God who you bow to to save you. Haran, who was Terach's son, was also present. But he was undecided. He said to himself, let's see what happens to Abraham. If Abraham is successful, I'm going to be with Abraham and his God. And if Nimrod wins, I'm with Nimrod and his gods. And we know that Abraham Avinu was saved in the furnace. So they asked Haran, Haran, whose side are you on? With me or Abraham? So he said, I'm with Abraham. I want to be with Abraham, my brother. They took him and they threw him into the fire and they, his innards burned and he died because he didn't have true, true emuna. He just followed Abraham Avinu after he saw he was successful. The Sfat Emet says that Haran, even though he died at that moment, was rewarded immensely for his good deed. His deed wasn't perfect and therefore he was burned in the furnace. But nevertheless, he went into the fire al Kiddush Hashem. So he deserves a reward. And the Sfat Emet says that his reward is that David HaMelech and the Mashiach come from him. Because David HaMelech and Mashiach come from Haran's son, Lot. Lot is the father of his daughter who gave birth to Moab. And Moab, the descendant of Moab, is Ruth. And Ruth is the great-great-grandma of David HaMelech. So that was his reward. Yes, it wasn't perfect and he had to die. But the reward is that David HaMelech comes from him. Lot was captured in this war. And it was Og, Melech HaBashan, who told Abraham Avinu about it. And Rashi says, he tells us Og's intention. 
Og wanted Avraham Avinu to go save Lot, thinking that he's going to die in battle, so that he could go take Sarah as his wife. He wanted Avraham to die so that he could marry Sarah. Nevertheless, despite his bad intention, Og actually did a good deed. Because Abraham's nephew, Lot, was saved. Abraham went back to save him. And then Lot, from Lot, is going to come David HaMelech and Mashiach. Every good deed is rewarded. And even Og was rewarded. The Midrash tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I swear you will be remembered for coming to Abraham and you will live long. Og was still around for the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid to wage war against Og Melech HaBashan. Rashi says, why was he afraid? He was afraid to fight against him, lest the merit of Abraham will help him. Because he assisted Abraham, Moshe Rabbeinu says, maybe I'm going to lose. So what do we see? We see that every good deed gets rewarded. Even the good deeds of the wicked. Therefore, we can be certain that all our good actions will be rewarded. We shouldn't consider any of our deeds small. Because what's small to you is great in Hashem's eyes, is the words of the Chavot HaLevavot. That is our lesson for tonight as we conclude. Never to think, never to think that your actions are minuscule. Everything has tremendous significance and importance. You do it misirut nefesh. You do it properly, with the proper intent. You never know how you can shake the world. You never know how your emunah will become stronger through the performance of these deeds. This was Abraham Avinu. This is what he was able to recognize and able to continue his life with his wife, Sarah, building the future Klal Yisrael. He took one people, he showed them the way. He showed them the way because he saw the fiery house, he saw the burning building and he says, there's got to be somebody here. And it was Hashem who says, I'm here. And Hashem said, and Abraham says, ah, you're here? I'm ready to go with you. Even if it means that i got to jump in a fire. I'm here with you. Thank you very much for listening tonight. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Good night.